book of 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter, 14 through the 15th verse, the 32nd and the 33rd verse, 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter, the 14th through the 15th verse, the 32nd and the 33rd verse. Words are recalled. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus. He was saying to the servant, now, I'm not going to play with this thing. I'm not going to hang out. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom. While Absalom was alive, hanging, caught up in a tree. And then the 10 young men that were with Joab and bared his armor, they Rude walked around Absalom's body as it was seeing its last fleeting moments, the darts in his heart. They smote him. They killed him. And then in the 32nd and the 33rd verse, after the servants then returned unto David the king, the father of Absalom. The king said unto Cushia, is the young man Absalom safe? Absalom, my boy. Absalom, the very one that has gone against me. Absalom, the one that rose up and decided that he wanted to be king. Absalom, the, the beautiful child, my beautiful son, who I love, and even though he gave me some problems, even though he was a handful, even though he was troubling to my reign, is he safe? I know because I'm asking the question because I told, I told my three captains, I told the ones that were responsible for going and apprehending them, those that were responsible for arresting him, those that were responsible for reining him in and bringing him to me, I told them specifically that if you should go out and if you should find Absalom, make sure you take every care, every priority, every value, make sure that you were to make sure he would be brought back to me safely because regardless of what he has done, he's my son. So my first question, seeing that you have returned from the battle, is, is Absalom safe? does not inquire about Joab, the captain, one of the captains. He does not inquire about any of the other people in the military, nor on the side of Absalom. But he asks the question, I just want to know right now, my top priority, my big concern is, is Absalom, my son, Cushai answered, the enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do you hurt. The enemies, they are the ones that will meet the same fate as Absalom. The king was moved. those words 
told him all that he needed to know. Absalom was dead. As the Spirit of the Lord gives us utterance, I want to talk from this subject. Absalom, oh, Absalom. For more contemporary message, I want to talk. When a black man buries his boy, Black man buries his boy. Words will never be able to express thoughts and the feelings of King David. There are many things about his life and about his journey, about his kingdom about his relationship with God, his relationship with man. There were many things that caused him to have to cry sometimes, to mourn sometimes, to weep sometimes, to be angry sometimes. And in life, in truth, we all experience some highs and some lows, some ups and some downs. We all have some losses and some struggles, and we all trying to make it through this pilgrim journey that we call life. We're all trying to make it through. And one of the most difficult and challenging occasions that could happen in the life of any person, any man, woman, is to have to bury it. To have to bury his son. strange now because in my spirit David now comes to me and he speaks louder and clearer than at any other time. He speaks with a, with, with a deep down anger, with a deep down sorrow, with a deep down feelings of guilt, anger, sorrow, guilt, and loss. Grip his spirit. In the text he has sent his captains out to capture Absalom because Absalom has absolutely been cutting up. Absalom has, has been who he has been for years, but in retrospect, David now speaks into my spirit and says, Preacher, don't be way too hard on Absalom because Absalom is only a product of his world. He's only a product of his environment. He's only a product of his experience, of his training, of, of those role models and mentors before him, of those people that make up his life. He is only a byproduct and even though all of us have the ability to choose and are required and called to choose right from wrong, the reality is it's hard to be greater than the hand Mold. This is one of the feelings that David says to me now in my spirit. He says, because even as I have to bury my son, even as I have to put him down in the in the tomb, even after I have to must watch and see his body now cold and beginning to stiffen, even though I know in the back of my mind and even in the front of my future, it will come without my son Absalom, even though I see these things and they make me feel some kind of way, I know that it was a beautiful The Bible records that Absalom, aesthetically on the outside, 
was one of the most handsome people in all of the kingdom. And, and, and that's one thing. But, but I want you to know that even though other people might not be able to see it, every mother and every father sees within their child some goodness. The teachers might not be able to see it. Uh, somebody on the street may not be able to see it. Those that operate jail may not be able to see it. Somebody else might not be able to see through the label, through the stereotype, but the reality about it all is there is beauty in everybody. David now wants you to know that Absalom was a beautiful child, not just on the outside, the places within his heart, within his soul. He wasn't the perfect child, but David now reminds me that no man is perfect, for the Bible even says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means ain't nobody totally through and through perfectly beautiful. We all have some scariness about us. We all have something horrible, something dark, something wicked. And the reality about it is many of us just haven't been caught. But all of us have some dark side. All of us have some things in the closets. All of us have some things not only in the past but also in the present. And there I suggest even in the future that God is not pleased with David. Now argues down in my spirit that my son was not a perfect boy. suffers and struggles with guilt with anger and with loss guilt because he can understand why people were angry with Absalom Guilt because he can understand why uh, they were furious and upset because he had betrayed the throne. He had betrayed his father. He had betrayed his family. He had betrayed his people. He had represented a fraud. He had tried for 40 years to lean influence against the kingdom that David had underneath the anointing of God. Yes! He did some bad and terrible things. Yes, he was wrong for that. Yes, he committed a crime. Yes, he defrauded the family. Yes, he is in, he is guilty of all of those charges. Like a lot of black children. And white children. And Spanish children. Latinos, like a lot of adults, like a lot of police officers, like a lot of judges, like a lot of those people who sit in society and cast verdicts on others, but yet hide their own guilt and their own crimes. He struggles because he knows that people have a right to be angry. And I want you to know that it's valid, it's real, it is true that sometimes our children work on our last nerve. Sometimes they do things that they know they were not taught to do. Sometimes they commit crimes. Sometimes they do evil. Sometimes they're dark and they struggle and they show that they don't care. They act strong. They act hard. They act rude. They act like they are ever. But the truth is the children Our children, my children, my son, guilt feels guilt because he knows that the example that he has set before all of his children, including Absalom, has not been absolutely purpose, perfect. He knows that he has flawed. He knows that his parenting skills have not been the, the, the greatest in the entire world. He knows uh, that his nerves have been way too short. He knows 
uh, that his anxiety levels have been high. He knows that there have been times when he has snapped on his children and he said some things that he shouldn't have said. He knows that he is flawed. He knows that he is an imperfect father. He knows that he hasn't done completely right. He knows that he has not built the perfect family. He knows that he hasn't been the perfect husband. He knows these things and yes, he feels the guilt of it. Somewhere in the back of his mind, regardless of what others might have done, the atrocities, the killing, the, the sadness, the shootings, and, and all of these other things, he knows that in his own mind, that the buck first must come in accountability of himself. He knows that. This may not have happened had he been a better parent. And I know, I know that people that will console him and tell him you did the best that you can. But, but in truth, we, do we really do the best that we can? Or do we just want to say it to make ourselves feel, ourselves feel better? Have we truly sacrificed? Have we really been long-suffering? Did I stay up with Juna? Did I, did I take the time to find him some help? Did I seek counseling for him? Did I stand there for him? Did I listen to him? And then comes the mindset. Why did not? While he was yet alive, while he had blood running in his veins, while he was yet here, why didn't I take the time when I had the chance? But I was too busy. My priority had me so messed up. David says, I feel guilty. Feel guilty. Because I could have done better. My response to David is yes, you could have. I have to tell David and be honest and truthful yes, you could have done better. I say it because I know as a parent I could do better. I know as a mentor I can do better. I know as a teacher I can do better. I know that as a pastor I can do better. I know as an advocate in this community I can do better. So I can't start pointing fingers at everybody else saying y'all can do better when I know it first starts with me. I must. Feels a sense of guilt. Somewhere in the spirit, I hear him question. I know it was Joab that threw the darts into his heart. I know there were other people that contributed to his death. I get that. I understand that. But it's the truth about the matter. It's the realness of it that it belonged first with me, not with his mother, not with some other. But is the problem, the first line of defense. That's me. Nah. I feel. I'm sorry, Absalom. I'm sorry, I feel. Oh, I wish to God. Even today, if it would have brought your life back, I wish to God that you would have had a father that was there, a father that was strong for you there, a father that would have protected. I wish that I could have listened better. I wish, but I know it's too late, and so I feel like it's my fault. King David also feels anger. Because now, now in his mind, the digital memories begin to formulate and shape themselves. Somebody now has pressed the button that allows his imagination to kick in the gear and shows him the 
sight of Absalom in a tree. Can't run. Can't hide. Can't even protect himself. He is defenseless. All he can do is speak words. All he can do is talk, talk. All he can do is plead for his captives for, to have mercy. All he could do is ask for them to give him another chance. All he can do is speak, but he can't run and he can't hide because his hair, his magnificent hair, has been caught up now in the branches of a tree and he is hanging there by his hair. Unable to escape. David now is angry. Because he sees in his mind Joab. Interesting enough, the Bible says that Joab was chosen as one of the captains, one of the three captains of David's militia, of his force, of his men. Joab, his trusted captain. Joab, he said, I told Joab, I told Joab that I do want you to go and apprehend him. I do want you to go and capture him because I must bring him in. I must reign in his destruction. I must reign in his trouble. I must reign in the, the schisms that he has brought in the kingdom, but bring him in. But whatever you do, make sure that you render to him much mercy as you can and bring him back to me, Satan. You saw him in a tree, defenseless. He mentally, intellectually, emotionally made the decision that you would take and throw darts in his heart. Shot him in the back. You killed him. Then you allowed you, your servants to treat him like he was a thing. You wronged Joab. My son is never a thing. My son is never an object. My never, my son is never some toy soldier, some imaginary existence or being. My son, it's my son. Why did you kill him? Why did you? Why did you kill him? And I told you, I want him safe. I commissioned you, selected you, I chose you. To protect him in your service. But I see now you select when you serve. My son didn't qualify as a human. My son didn't qualify as a future king. My son didn't qualify as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. My son did not qualify for 
brother didn't say for you to follow what you were told to do. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your emotions. It's not about what you think. You're scared of him. But he's such a terror. I know he did some things to you. I know that he burned your field at one time to get your attention. I know that he's done some atrocities and some horrible, unspeakable things. I know that he even killed another one of my sons. I know that he did these things. I know that. Joel, but you're not king. You're not judge. You're not the jury. And you're not the executioner. I am the king. I made those decisions. And I told you to bring him back to me. Safely. You have defiled me, the one that you claim to love. You have defiled me, the one that brings the all, me that makes the determination, me that is authorized, me with the anointing. You have defiled me. Even when you defiled him as he hung on a tree, you have defiled me. Angry. Because regardless of what you thought of at the moment, regardless of how tired you are from running after him, regardless of, of how much you detested him, or how much you were afraid that I would give him some leniency, but the reality about it is, as I've already told you, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all not worthy of grace. God yet gives it to us anyway, doesn't he? He allows the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the just as well as the unjust. He hears the prayers of every man, woman, boy, or girl, and his heart loves all of his children. Then how is it that you can decide that you want to be God? Joel. You did not even give him the dignity and the respect that I told you to show him. And so in that you have defiled him in thrusting darts into his heart and then allowing your servants to play games as they take the rest of his life. Even in that you have allowed that to happen, you are the problem. But it matters not. My feelings of guilt about myself and the community and the society and even the anger that now spews forth in my heart and burns within my spirit. None of that matters. Because my son is dead. Authorized to protect us, defile us. The people that we give our heart to in our families, in our friends, defile us. The people that we trust give us wisdom and understanding, guidance and protections. They defile us. And we are angry. When a black man has to bury his boy, he feels guilt. Even in truth, were he perfect as a parent, he would still feel guilt. Because when you can't be there to protect your son, when you can't be there to even die for your children, when you can't be there to somehow rescue them and keep them from harming themselves,
just feels so weak. And on this Father's Day, even as I consider and look into this message prayerfully, I wonder about the fathers who have lost their children, who have had to bury their boys, fathers who have had to bury their daughters, fathers who have had to bury their children. I wonder how the struggle must be to hear as other children say to their parents, Happy Father's Day. Not for them. Even if you have many quivers, many arrows in your quiver, to have lost one removes lights from out of the Happy Father's Day sign. Because you know, not all voices are present, and David knows that even though he has other children, he knows that the boys of Absalom, who, who Absalom, is lost to him. Never again will he see the young man's Never again to hear him say, Good morning. Good morning, Father. Never again would we be there to argue with him and rebuke him. Because the good and the bad put together and then we got for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose and so every parent knows that there are going to be some up days and some down days but what they're thankful for is to have some days better is to have a day with rain Now requires requires me to tell you we're losing our kings. Listen, listen, I need you to understand this because some people might just think that this is about a black issue. But there's some white kings. There are some Asian kings. kings, Latino king, there's some king, we're losing our king, we're losing them. Loss isn't just the loss of life, that's at its highest, but loss can fall all along the realms. We're losing their minds, we're losing their bodies, we're losing their hopes, we're losing the benefits that they would bring to society, we're losing, we're losing our king. There is no happy Father's Day. There is no happy Mother's Day. There is no Merry Christmas. There is no happy birthday. There are none of these things that have any importance if you don't have your kings and your queens. He says I've lost. Now he stands up in my spirit. He says, I'm angry. 
feel guilt. just the loss of Absalom, but I feel lost. I feel lost. Now I don't know what to do. I'm so angry. I could kill Joab. I believe it's only my standard of hope and truth that steals my tongue from commanding him to be killed. It is only my mind that says, sometimes in the midst of stuff, in the mixed of in the mixing of stuff, bad things happen. Feel lost because I know if I lose control, I'm not going to be able to be strong for my other children. And why should a man, why should a woman be placed in a position where they have to? somebody who they don't feel like being. Because I don't want to be king right now. I don't want to be holy right now. I want to tear this place up. I want to hurt somebody. Nobody's mentor, I don't want to be anybody's hero. I don't want to be strong. I just want Absalom back. That's all I
slaves were. Kings and queens. Perhaps in the midst of conflict in their country, they were captured by other kings. And then they were sold to slavery. Juneteenth being the celebration of the real end of slavery. And so on this Father's Day, on this Sunday that the Lord has made and has called us to rejoice and be glad in it, I want to call forward to those slaves, those who are descendants of those slaves who were kings and queens. And I bring this crown and I say to every king and queen, but particularly to all of my brothers of color, because I have brothers of all colors, but I bring back the crown and I say maybe in the midst of this day and age that we live in, well I just want to challenge you. back on your ground. Let's get back on the throne and get our house, you know. God bless you. Make it.